You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? Here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Neighbors Active Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Uh, I just woke up. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, I just woke up. The Red Sox were in a rain delay, and I was already kind of sleepy. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to. I'm just going to lay on the couch for a little bit and see if we play this game. The worst thing that could have happened. I mean, did you see the the stat that was out there the other day? It was like uh, Channel 5 had it. It was like since June 1st, we've had rain on 14 out of 17 weekends this summer. I believe at Fenway Park this year, this was the 13th time they've had a rain delay. Yeah. So it sucks. Every weekend it is rain this summer. We've had three, three free rain free weekends in Boston. Three. And I mean, when it's that rainy, it's hard to stay awake. You're just fucking, oh, it's rainy. Oh, I'll just get a little cozy on the couch. Oh. And the, the Red Sox are playing. First of all, the Red Sox are out of it. The White Sox are fucking terrible and they're boring. The Red Sox are are not that good and they're boring. You're watching two boring ass baseball teams play a game that doesn't matter. And then the tarp comes out. How the fuck did anyone stay awake for that? Are you kidding Jared, me? You slept through what was clearly a decision that came down from someone higher than the Red Sox. I'm guessing it came from Major League Baseball. Uh-huh. So about 15 minutes before the game got called. I saw the video. Yeah. No, Ian Brown and all the beat writers tweeted out. Oh, no, they are going to play this game. That is the expectation here. They are going to wait it out like they were going to play this game. In that 10 to 15 minute window is everyone started legit sobbing at the thought of having to watch the Red Sox any longer <laughs> today. And fucking I was getting emotionally disturbed. I was upset. I was mad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I couldn't eat. I couldn't even finish my Buffalo tenders. And then like 10 minutes later, they're like Cora came out. They're shaking hands. They're not doing this shit. Game's over. They're done. The games mean literally nothing. nothing. There's nothing you can get from these games. Nothing. Nothing at all. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, like if you're a player on the Red Sox and you're down by what one at the time is, does your compete level kick in and say, fuck that, dude, we got to go back out there and win this shit. <laughs> or are you just being like, oh, thank God. Now I can go home. Send us the fuck home. Yeah. Please. I mean, Adam Duvall just homered. Game wasn't over. Like the Red Sox could have won a baseball game today. But at the end of the day, like, does it really matter if they win one more game? At this point. It only really hurts you to win baseball games. That's really the reality of it. No matter what, this has been a disgusting September. The team absolutely folded in. Part of its injuries, part of it's trying to play young guys. I get that, all that. But, you know, it's a horrendous end to the end of the year. You've Mm. lost six straight series. Fuck it. Give me another loss. You're closer to being in the lottery picks. So whatever. That's fine for me. I'm fine with it, too, just because like I knew that I didn't want to do any catch up today. It just feels wrong. Like you brought that up weeks ago and I kind of was like, no, you have to give catch up. Fuck no. I, I don't care if they somehow find a way to win the next two series, which one of them is a fake series. It's a two game series against the Rays. 
They don't deserve shit. Oh, and it's I think if they had won that series against Texas and Bob was going to get the catch up like that would have been a that would have been a high spot. But that was for Bob. That wasn't for the Red Sox. Yeah, you're right. Like like it, like let's just say, for example, if if Justin Turner was going to get the catch up against the White Sox, I think we could wait till next year. It'd be <laughs> insulting to him. He wouldn't accept it. No, he'd be like, listen, I was loving getting the catch up at Yankee Stadium when these games mattered. But at home against the White Sox in a range shortened series when I don't think I care much for it. But one of the things that disgusts me more than anything is when you have the ketchup bottle and that little nasty pre-cum comes out, like the mm-hmm. pre-cum ketchup juice. Yeah, that's what we're giving out at this point. It's it, not the real stuff. It's not the thick stuff that you put in your mouth. It, it's <laughs> it, it's just disgusting. <laughs> the wet ketchup, you mean? The juicy, like yeah, looks, tomato yeah. juicy. Yeah, it's like water. I've never drank in V8, but I picture that's what it tastes like. It's probably worse. It's probably worse. Yeah. Kills people. Mm-hmm. Um, but just so that everyone knows, this episode is sponsored by Knocking on Sunglasses, quality polarized affordable shades, including new MLB and U.S. women's soccer team pairs. Check them out at knockaround.com. If you do, for some reason, live outside the New England area and you get sun, knock around sunglasses. That's got to be <laughs> the place to go get them. We don't have, I mean, like, we don't have sun here. No, we have fucking tsunamis basically every day like i don't get me wrong i love a good summer rain like that's probably one of my favorite things about the summer but when it's every fucking day jesus christ i love when i had when i had like a little like back deck when i was living uh in my apartment in saugus like if there was like a like a nice little uh like a rain like a summer rainstorm oh i would love to sit on the back porch and and watch the rainstorm i love that but then when it's every day you're just like jesus christ or can it be just after the game can it not be when the red Sox are trying to play baseball yeah that's fine it's fine i like rain that hits my sad depression vibes i can sit in it i feel good sometimes during the rain me too not when i have to wait for this red Sox team anything that prolongs this season hurts me more And it also just like hurt like the interview schedule, because if I'm going if I'm going to Fenway on a Friday or a Tuesday and I see that it's raining, then I'm like, oh, great. So like none of the players are going to be taking batting practice on the field today. They're going to be taking batting practice underneath. Then I know not to bother trying to get someone to do an interview because they're they're not going to come out. And what was it? 14 out of 17 (laughs) weekends that rained in Boston. So it's like. All right. I mean, me and Jake were on a little run there for baseball is dead. Like we were getting fucking guests like every week and then the rest of the weeks it rained. Do do you I know with your sources, you hear things Mm. now. It's not always Red Sox related. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason for this rain? Is something bad about to happen? Yeah, actually. Yes, I did talk to one of my sources about this. Um, And it feels like it felt like it was intentional. It felt like it. Yes. Yeah, the rain felt very intentional as if someone was trying to sabotage both podcasts. I've seen shit. I know that in certain places like Dubai, I was reading about this, they make mm-hmm. rainstorms. They do? They Like you can scientifically make them. You can make it rain for places that need rain. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that happens. I, I think people don't, at least people who maybe are part of the Illuminati, mm. part of, you know, secret groups, they are against the 2023 Red Sox doing anything. Listen. No one wants to watch this team play baseball. 
No one wants to watch this team play baseball. I I said I said before we came on that I had a funny story to tell you, and uh, it was that you ever like fall asleep while like you're watching something, and then it becomes part of your dream. Yeah, that's happened to me. Yeah. So as I was asleep during the rain delay, and like Jemai was like asking questions to like Lou Maloney and like they're they're just it's rain delay coverage. I'm asleep during this, but in my subconscious, I'm having a dream about Chris Cotillo being like a professional baseball, like retiring from the beat and being like. I, I, I know a lot of people didn't know this, but I like I. I'm giving it a shot. Like I'm going to try to play major league baseball and he completely was completely serious. Yeah. But he was actually like really fucking good. And like, that was the story was like little fat midget. Uh, whoa, go, whoa, what? whoa, whoa, what? whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, he's a fellow thick boy like me. Let, let's not go too far here. No, no, no. no. So he, he was going to play major league baseball. And that was the story. Beat writer becomes Major League Baseball player, but he was doing it. In game, or are we talking like he debuted in the minors and was working his way up? Uh, yeah. Is this like, like Michael Jordan? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it was more Michael Jordan. Like, he hadn't made it to the big leagues yet, but he was like burning through the minors. Like, it was inevitable that he was coming. It was just like, uh, it was like, uh, he's coming. Like, Roman Anthony's watching him and saying, holy fuck, this guy is the best player he's in the Red Sox minor spot. league system. Yeah. Trembling. Yeah. Like Kyle Teal was like, I thought I was advancing fast, <laughs> but here's Chris Cotillo just burning through the Red Sox minor league system. Now, if you were to give me a comp, is it Alejandro Kirk? Like, is it that kind of body type situation where, you know, it doesn't look pretty, but he gets the job done? Um, or did he just buff out? He stopped eating at the yard house and it all came together. Yeah, he was like skinny now. Like he, he was like in shape in this alternate feels universe. Wrong. Yeah. With his head? I mean, he wasn't like jacked, but he had like thinned out. Like he looked athletic. Closer to me. Yeah. <laughs> Closer to me. Continue. It was somewhere in that realm. And I was just like, damn, dude, that's crazy. I mean, this is going to be one of the biggest sports stories of all time. This would be your worst nightmare. I think you'd kill yourself if this happened. If if he made it to the big leagues, that'd be awesome. Then it's like, oh, now we have someone that's like the... It's the biggest story in sports right now, and we have a relationship with the guy. This is great. <laughs> Can you imagine when Devers was losing his mind in the dugout in Houston? Cotillo just puts his arm around him. Like they're sitting on the bench. Cotillo's <laughs> yeah. yeah. trying to talk him up. He's like, hey, man, shit happens. I understand where you're at. And yeah. like, Devers is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like yeah, trying to hear it. him out. Mm-hmm. I could see this a little bit. Yeah. Just like a full-blown blow-up in the dugout with Cora <laughs> and Cotillo. But they're yelling at each other in Spanish. Wade Miley, John Farrell 2.0. Yeah. And then after the game, AC is just like, you know, at the end of the day, he was right. <laughs> he was, Everyone's bowing down to Chris Cotillo. Yeah. Like, man, he was spitting. I was out of place there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This is a, I don't know if this is a dream, a nightmare. So did he become player manager at that point? Did Cora step down? I, I didn't get to, Cause like when you're having like a dream like that and you're, you're asleep, but you're kind of like pulling things 
from the the real world into your dream world. I heard Jamai be like, well, they just called it. We had this whole thing set up with Lou Maloney, but I guess the game's over. All right, bye. And then I just like slowly opened my eyes and I was like, fuck, now I have to do the podcast. Uh, hey, uh, hey, whoa. You weren't dreading doing this. You're excited to do this. No, I was dreading it because I, I even came on here and I was like, T-Dog, what's up, man? What are we going to talk about? And this fucking kid goes, well, uh, the the Craig Breslow thing. Like, we'll, oh, we'll be able to talk you. about Craig Breslow. Like, that uh, is important. That No, it's not. You don't want to talk about Craig Breslow, a 2013 no. World Series champion. No. Uh, funny enough, fun fact, I told this to Jake, and he also did not give a fuck before you got here. <laughs> <laughs> did you know Craig Breslow got a World Series ring from the Red Sox in 2007? No. He did. He was pitching in AAA that year. Uh, at one point, he was placed on the playoff roster despite never actually pitching, so he got a ring. What happened to Bullet? Mm. He died. That's sick, dude. I think a lot of people just heard that and they were like, pow, like, you know, brain blow. I, no, I don't know what you just did there, but um, <laughs> I have a dream experience I could talk about. Uh, okay. So I've been watching The Sopranos lately yeah. and anyone who knows me knows if someone's willing to talk to me about it, I'm willing to open up about it. Um, I had a dream that I was Tony Soprano and I was a fucking dog, dude. A dog. Excuse me. I was ordering hits on people. Mm -hmm. I was fucking, I was sitting there. Talk to me. Talk to me, son. Like putting around. I had a little nephew. It was like kind of like Christopher, but he didn't look like Christopher. Mm -hmm. He looked more Lebanese based. I'd call it okay. similar beard as mine. Uh, and I was like, we got, we got shit to take care of. We, we got shit to take care of. You hear me? And, and he was questioning me because of my young stature and age. Right, right, right. And you, I, you know, he was in the game. Of course, I well, it was kind of like a strip club like scenario. People who've seen the Sopranos, the Bing, right? I was just sitting in the back offices, chilling, mm -hmm. eating some parm, you know, like they do. Uh, and that. I was just taking care of fucking business. And it was more Boston based, it wasn't New Jersey based. So I don't know if there's a Boston mafia that's recruiting looking for someone like me to kind of take over, mm -hmm. but I was just taking out important people in this city, people in the media. It was wild. Like it was some of the craziest. Like I can't say names. I don't want to be held responsible for anything uh, that could happen down the line okay. or that may have already happened. All right. But all I'm saying is, if you're looking for someone who could fit in the mafia lifestyle, I'm right fucking here. <laughs> you just did you. Did I what? Nothing. Nothing. Pussy. Pussy. How could you do this to me? Pussy. Pussy's a character in the show. Yeah. Yeah, Check in on my it. Sopranos impression. I want to hear it. That is uh, that is good to note for anyone that hasn't seen the Sopranos. Um, I can't wait for the season to be over. We're less than what a week away. Uh, one week till next Sunday when we'll be recording our last episode of the season. Thank God. Thank <laughs> God. I don't know what it is about this. Like it's it shouldn't be a foreign concept. This is what the sixth last place finish. In her, in what? How many years? 15. No, I guess like in the podcasting era, it's the third. Right? Well, we got what? 2020. We got 2022. Oh, 2023. Okay. So then the fourth. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah. So what about 2015? 2015. Yeah. Third place in 19. Last place in 20. Mm-hmm. 
last place in 22, last place in 23. So it's like five such seasons where you knew that you were toast by the end. Shouldn't be. I don't, there's just something about this year in particular where I'm just like, man, this is fucking brutal. It's like pulling teeth. Like at, I'm losing followers for tweeting about the Red Sox. People are just like, shut up. Like, I'm like, all right. <laughs> I agree. I don't want to be I don't talk it. about him either. What? I, I refuse to cave. I, I am tweeting. I tweeted caps today. I didn't give a fuck. What? Sorry about that, S dog. About what? Uh, Duval? Uh, no, no, I'm not doing it to Duvall. Sorry. Uh, Will you Abreu first Fenway homer? Yeah, I thought it deserved a little love. Please. Yeah. He's one of the most exciting things. And considering the guy has not been in the lineup, partially because of this whole hand injury since mm-hmm. he collided with the wall in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I'm celebrating it because I think you look at that guy. I said it, what, two episodes ago? Mm-hmm. I think he's already a better player than Alex Verdugo. Wow, that's a hot uh, take. I stick with it. I, I just think what he offers, he could play all three outfield positions, right? Mm-hmm. Something Alex Verdugo, they do not trust that guy in center field. Mm-hmm. And that's no disrespect to Verdugo, who plays a very good right field. But I think we're seeing a very constant approach with him already. The ability to work counts. We've seen how he's hit already at the big league level with pop two homers. I think, you know, there'll be some ups and downs, obviously, in his first full season. I like that. But take. it's it's clear he's already has a higher ceiling, in my opinion, than Verdugo. The floor even with everything Verdugo did the first month of the season or the first two months, if we really want to go that far, he's ending up right where he has been the last couple of years. This season will not stick out any more than previous years for him. Have you tweeted this take? No, I haven't. Not yet. Why not? It, it just hasn't felt like the right time. I haven't gone into full off-season chatter on my page. It's not. That I've said fun. it on that's, here, though. That's not off-season chatter to just be like, if you were just like, I have a take. I think that Willie Abreu is better than Alex Verdugo. Do you like the take? How do you feel about it? I, li- I just said I like the take. Look, just talking right here, we're talking Alex Verdugo 2023. Mm-hmm. He has now been a worse hitter this year than he was last year. 102 OPS plus this year. Oh, he mailed what? it in. For And we go back to that quote all the time where he was like, what, there's seven weeks left or left in the season? Yeah. That's what he's done all the way through. And it's upsetting to me. It's depressing as a guy who likes Alex Verdugo a lot, but... I don't know how Alex Cora or anyone in that dugout can look at it and say anything else. Well, he won't be here next year. Like, I feel pretty confident in that. I don't think that he'll be here next year. I think that they've kind of had it with Alex Verdugo. And, like, that's not to say that uh, he can't go help another team win. It's not saying that the player is washed. I just think that they've tried to get the most out of him. Because I think that, his, like, you know, as you read the numbers and you look at last year and the year before and even this year, what he's capable of is better than what the output is. But Kenley Jansen said the guy with his talent, he could have been a Hall of Famer. That's what Kenley Jansen said when he first started watching Verdugo. It's a guy who just can't, for whatever reason, whether it's mental stuff, whether it's just getting up and being able to do it every day, he can't stay locked in. It's yeah. a focus problem. Yeah. Yeah, almost it like, is, you know what it reminds me of? It, it's a, because it, he's not as talented, I think, as Verdugo, but like a Nick Castellanos. Yeah, where you have those ups and downs. Nick Castellanos is like openly admitted, like when he was making all those sliding catches in the outfield, he's like, I just like, you know, it's the playoffs, so like I'm paying attention more. <laughs> <laughs> like he just like, he just came out and said it. And I think Verdugo is kind of cut from the same cloth where I think if the Red Sox were in contention, I mean, like, face it, Alex Verdugo came here at, like, one of the worst possible eras to be a Boston Red Sox. Like, he just came, he came here in 2020. It's like, all right, you had 21. 
But then it's like last place, ALCS, last place, last place. So if you're if your issue is that I can't focus unless we're in a World Series hunt, then guess what? Uh, we weren't going to get the best out of Alec Verdugo uh, during the tenure or during the time period of years that he was here. And I think the other thing is you go back to 2020. He was the reason to watch that season because he was playing with that intensity when there was nobody in the fucking crowd. We remember the what the two homer game against the Blue Jays and he robbed Travis Shaw yeah. in that game in front of the bullpen. Like yeah. when he jumped up and he was screaming, that was the moment of the year in a very sad year. Well, I think also that his motivation then was don't compare me to Mookie. Like I got to go to Boston. I'm the dude that was traded for Mookie Betts. I think he took it personally that year. Um and he was there to make an impression and be like, I'm not the next Mookie Betts, but I'm the first Alex Verdugo. And that kind of just wore off. Whatever that drive was, and I think we saw it again at the beginning of the year where he's like, I'm going to prove everybody fucking wrong. Cora wanted to call me out at the end of the year. I've lost this weight. You know, I'm more athletic than I've ever been. Watch me kind of do my thing. It's great to do it for two months. A baseball season is six months. If you can't show up and do it all the way and you can't do it in Boston, I don't know who's going to think you're going to be able to carry that intensity. And just frankly here, when you factor in another year of arbitration for Verdugo going into the last, Will Urabray is going to be making nothing and has all these years of team control. So is it really that hard of an equation to figure out here? No. And you look at what the Red Sox front office and just how the team operated this year, where they wanted guys who could work counts, draw walks, be about it. Will Urabrayu fits in nicely to that. And we'll see whoever the head guy comes in, how he feels about it. But we know the foundation of the front office is still in place here. So if they carry that philosophy, the same reason they brought in a Justin Turner and all this stuff, then there's no reason to question it. Like if you're sitting right now and you're just listening, pull up Will Urabrayu's baseball savant page. The only thing he's below average in sprint speed. and everything. What'd you say? Sprint speed. <laughs> uh, they That's the only thing he's technically unqualified for at the moment. Yeah. But the only thing he's below average in is whiff percentage and K percentage. Every other facet of hitting, he's well above average in. If you kind of go through all the way here, expected batting average at 288, expected slugging 498, uh, average exit velocity. I think that's 90 miles per hour. Hard hit percentage, 48.7%. Sweet spot percentage, 43.6. Chase, 21.4. He checks off all those boxes and he's young. We haven't even seen the guy really get consistent playing time yet. So, I'm all in on that. Now, I do think it's a hard conversation when we start putting the outfield together next year. We have Duran. We have Rafaela. We have Abreu. Obviously, Yoshida as well. If you're trying to win a World Series next year, that's a lot of depending on two guys who are going to be rookies and then someone in Duran who you know, still has yet to do it over the course of a full season, did it through August and had his ups and downs. But I think even the biggest Jaron Duran guys, there's reasons to question with the Babbitt if he can sustain that kind of performance again. So you don't believe in Jaron Duran? <clears throat> I don't know if this past season of Jaron Duran is something that can be like to the level he played. I think he proved he can at least be an average big leaguer. I don't know if he's shown me enough yet to be more than that. You don't think you don't think Jaron Duran could be top five in the American League in doubles next year? Um, I think I think there's a chance. I think that would be the ceiling, right? Like if everything clicks. But we saw this year all those doubles that were singles that he kind of turned around. Is that something teams are maybe a little bit more aware of? Is he able to kind of get around? Now, I think his speed is that special. It's just can you kind of ride these ups and downs and be more of a consistent player throughout? Because you kind of just go through everything here. And with his stats, like the Babbitt, I know people we talk about like Sedan Rafaela. 
his BABIP and why we're kind of paying attention to that in the month of September. This year, his BABIP was, wait for it, wait for it. Where are we? 381. It's high. It's very high. So like, there's going to be some regression. Now, I'm not telling you I don't believe in Jaron Duran as a player. He is a big leaguer. He proved that this year. But is he going to be a guy who was one of the best players on the Red Sox this year? Can he kind of sustain that year in and year out? I'm not sure. That's why I wouldn't be surprised if we hear his name in trade talks along with someone like Sedan Raffaella as they weigh things out and kind of pick. Can we really have both of these guys in our outfield next year if we want to try to contend and win a World Series? Well, I mean, I feel like you're also going to be in the market for an outfielder. But it's a very shallow market. Well, the trade market. Hmm. And that's where I think maybe go use your money on pitchers, right? Go chase after pitchers. We understand that. Do you use some of your trade assets and it won't cost as much either to get that impact corner outfielder? Maybe a right-handed bat you're looking for. Well, yeah. I mean, like if you're, if you're, all right. So say the Red Sox hire their new general manager, whatever the fuck, the emperor of baseball commands, (laughs) that person comes in. And day one, say it's you, Tyler. Okay. And you're evaluating this roster, and I'm John Henry, and I'm like, how do you fix this team? I need, I need, I need a bullet point list of things that you need to fix it in the order of importance. What's number one? Uh, pitching. We need two top of the rotation ish arms, or at least a one. How a soon before we see defense? That's probably number two. Uh, Number two in terms of improving your overall structure. But I think that factors in here where Devers, right? You got Devers at third base. Story's going to be at short. Casas is going to be at first. Connor Wong's going to be your catcher. Is he? It really, in my opinion, he is. I'm fine with Connor Wong and Reese McGuire being your tandem going into next year. No problem with it. Um, Especially with Kyle Teal at double A. I think we'll see him probably potentially midway next year. I think he's that fast of a riser. And then you have that kind of Wong Teal duo. That's fascinating to me from a defensive uh, perspective. And I think Wong will continue to get a little bit better as a hitter. But that's where the whole outfield comes into conversation here, where Rafaela, that's a guy who could fix your defense. That's the kind of guy that can transform you. Almost made a ridiculous catch today to save a couple of runs. Yeah. But you need to decide between Yoshida. Is he going to be your DH moving forward? And you're saying goodbye to Turner and then figuring out what you're doing in right field. But I think defense has to be number two on that list of fixing stuff. But I do think you're not in the place you were in the middle of this summer. You are in a better place in that sense where you have Trevor Story fixing what was the main problem for you. And Casas, who improved at first base down the stretch, I don't think anybody can ignore that. Hmm. I, just, I, I, have, I, I feel like you just need to... There, there needs to be a shakeup in the outfield in some way, shape, or form. The and, pieces just don't fit right now. No, and maybe that shakeup is... An Alex Verdugo trade, I just don't know that you're going to do like a one for one for another outfielder that's going to be a better option for you. And I, I think people, especially with one year remaining on Verdugo, where he's finishing up, he's a league average player. Mm-hmm. A little bit better because of his defense and what he can do in right field. Uh, that's only going to net you so much. So do you have to package a Verdugo plus another, you know, a Jaron Duran to maybe get that impact piece you're looking for here? And then, Probably. You know, I, like, I don't think the Verdugo trade is going to be a one for one. It's just a matter of are you trading Alex Verdugo and pieces for another outfielder or is that a trade for something else? Is that yeah, a trade they, for a piece that can help you right now or is that a, is that a trade for a piece that can help you down the line? Don't know. 
And I think you start looking at like even the Jaron Duran conversation. This is going to sound like I'm a Jaron Duran hater. I'm not. I think anyone who's heard me talk about the guy this year oh, knows how him. I feel about you him. Hate him. I do not. Do not. We are not starting this as something I hate on Jaron Duran. Uh, but, you know, you kind of look at the baseball savant stuff like expected batting average, 72nd percentile, average exit velocity, 51st percentile, hard hit percentage, 76th percentile. Everything else he was below average in. Now, base running, that shit you can't change. That's something in this game that means a lot today. And no disrespect to Sedan Raffaella, I don't think he can impact the game in that sense the same way. We've already seen him get thrown out at AAA at the rate he was going. I think he's a decent base runner. He can't steal like the likes of Jaron Duran or even a David Hamilton. It's a different conversation. But you'd also talk with Jaron Duran. While he was fine in center field this year, he will never be Sedan Raffaella in center field. So you kind of got to pick what you want. They don't have a center fielder. I think Raphael is that guy if you're keeping him. Even though I have major doubts about the bat, you know you're going to get. And, you know, as I've talked about with the bat before, credit to him. Some of the, you know, at bats he's put up in recent weeks, they've impressed me to some degree with how he can kind of work them. But you don't know how that bat's going to play over the course of a full season. I think you're going to see a lot of ups and downs similar to Jaron Duran in that way. What's he hitting now since he got called up? It's good. But uh, the I know he started red hot, but has he been able to sustain that to any? I think he's like 290. Okay, where are we sitting at? 292, uh, 805 OPS. He's been 15% above league average. 294 with an 800 OPS. So that includes today's game, right? Yeah, he had a hit. So that's good. Now you look at some other things, you know, the metrics and stuff, the K percentage. He's at 30% right now. So it's come down a little bit. It's a better spot to be in. The Babips, 395. There's going to be regression there. Of course there is. I mean, but I don't expect him to hit 290. Like that, That's not something I'd put on him even in his first season. Why not? It's a lot for a guy of his caliber. There's a reason, you know, he wasn't he wasn't on some I, top. All I hear, place. all I keep hearing about Rafael is how the motherfucker can't hit. And then every level he gets called up to, he hits. That's what he's done so far, right? Yeah. Now well, I think like, yes, like yes, the Babip would tell you that he's going to regress. Sure. Yeah, I, but well, I, I think what he did at Triple A. In the case was, of Jaron Duran, Babip was high, never regressed. He had his cold spells, sure. Yeah. What, what do you mean, like Jaron Duran in the minors or Jaron Duran in the big league? this year? Yeah, but I guess where you say when you kind of look at Jaron Duran in past years when the Babip luck was closer to normal. The numbers fell to a place that was a little, eh. but those guys are going to have like someone like Jaron Duran is going to have a higher Babbitt than usual because of his speed. So that's like another thing you kind of got to factor in here. No. I think with Rafaela, it's the chase rate. The chase rate and the K percentage is what you worry about. Mm. He's chased some pitches as we've seen up here. I think that's something he clearly needs to keep working on. But, you know, you kind of got to let it play out so far. He's holding his own. I think it's hard to argue it any other way. So. You're going to probably have to pick one of those two guys and they both have their concerns and they both have their positives. It's just what parts of the game do you really want them to go and do their thing at? With Raffaella, he fixes a glaring need that really killed the team this year. Defense. But maybe they look at Raffaella and say, this guy could be our super utility guy. Alice Cora's comments would tell me differently, though. Him continuing to say, like, that guy, like his impact is in center field. That's how we view him. I think that's pretty telling about how they view him as an overall player moving forward. Maybe they like the versatility, but I think if they know if they're going to get the full Raffaella package, that's how you go about it. Maybe. I don't know that. I don't know that if you asked Alex Cora where you, where he wants Raphael that at center field, but you think he'd prefer him in a super utility role? No, I think he'd prefer him in right field. 
Interesting. Similar to Mookie Betts in some way, right? Yeah. Okay. I can see that. As they say, right? You need two center fielders at Fenway Park. So I think that kind of fits into the same conversation in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. Like, would you feel okay if it was Jaron Duran in center field and Sedan Raphael in right field next year? Uh, Every time that I've advocated for Jaron Duran in center field, I get shouted down. He's a left field. Everybody. Uh, you, You mean like when we talk or do you mean when you talk to people with the Red Sox? Well, Maz said it. I think you've said it. I think he's I, I think he's fine. I think you can get by with him in center field. I think they do likely see him as a little bit of a stretch out there, though. But the improvement he made from last year to this year. Shout out to Kyle Hudson. You can't deny that shit. That that was a, what happens if he makes a similar jump again in a year. Maybe. Who knows? Don't right. Know. I, I think just you look at Duran and Rafaela. They both have some positives and some negatives. You're going to probably have to pick your poison on one of them if you hope to be a World Series contender next year. How do you feel about Yoshida and left moving forward? Yeah, I'm not so torn up to the point where I think you can't play him out there, right? Like you've gone through stretchers where you've had guys who aren't great left fielders here and you've won, right? Like it's not the end of the world. Do I think he's fantastic out there? No, and all the metrics will kind of point you in that direction as well. Uh, There's no doubt about it. I know there's some people that get sick at the thought of Yoshida in left field this year. He is outs above average third percentile, negative nine. So it's been bad. Uh, I think the Red Sox, this is where the Justin Turner thing becomes pretty sticky. Do they hope to move Yoshida to DH to kind of keep him fresh as well? Maybe you plug him out there once or twice a week. I don't think he's such a problem. You don't want to play him out there. But yeah, that's uh, an L your team is going to take to some degree when he's playing the position. But he makes the routine plays. It's not like you can't feel the ball hit at him. It's just there's no range whatsoever. And you go to certain ballparks, Yankee Stadium, mm. and you're going to sweat. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm I, seeing all the, uh, after one year, I'm seeing all the trade Yoshida stuff. And I think that that's a little dramatic. But yeah, it, listen, the guy played in the WBC. He's clearly worn down to a level. And people look forget at someone that. Like, People forget that he played in the WBC and the major league season is longer than the season in Japan. Dude is dude's tired. Look at Seiya Suzuki this year. Yeah. Now, after having a year to kind of adjust, learn major league baseball, we saw some of the ups and downs in that first year this year. He's basically pulling the Cubs, trying to pull the Cubs to the playoffs right now on his back with what he's doing out there. So I'm not saying, you know, he's going to have the same kind of explosion, but if he can just get, you know, 75% of what he was the first half of the year, I think you're in good shape and say what you will. Had a couple nice days in this series, a big hit. I don't know. I'm not to the point where I'm throwing Yoshida out or saying he's garbage or anything like that. It's going to end up being a really solid rookie season. But, you know, do I think it's a fair convo if you want to make him your DH moving forward? I do. But that's another thing you're going to have to figure out here then. But maybe that's where you kind of stash someone or you can put a right handed bat you're looking for. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, w- I want it's I, hard. I, I know that I so like there's only so many spots you can put guys like I just feel like. Oh, man, and this is why the Justin Turner convo is so hard for me, because like I was sitting there and I was having this convo with McCarthy on Friday. Who's the leader next year if Justin Turner's not here? That's a great question. Who, who's going to be the guy in that clubhouse who can kind of 
be the bridge for a lot of people, kind of be the veteran voice you can lean on, not to mention the guys your clutches hitter this year. Uh, and one of your better bats on your team. Who do you lean on? I don't think that, that guy exists right now. It And that's a scary thing going into a year where you're trying to win a World Series and you don't have someone who is that voice. I don't expect Rafi to be that voice yet. He doesn't want uh, to be that voice. He's told you I, that's that. That's a fair question. Yeah, yeah it's a Rafi fair point. has told you, I, I'm just another guy on the team. Like, he's said that. He doesn't want to be, and that's fine. Like, he doesn't want to be, like, the guy. He doesn't want to be a leader. <clears throat> I feel like Story is not that guy. Um, <clears throat> I I think he... He's not. I, I don't know if he's... Tr- I think he's trying to grow into that a little bit. Like, we heard the minor league little camp he's going to do. But at least in terms of here... Bro, that's like you're only gonna get so much respect hitting 180. He's doing that. He's doing that because Troy Tulowitzki used to do it in in Colorado. It's like, yeah, that's trying a great to follow thing those to steps. Do. Yeah, that's a great thing to do. It's paying it forward. But as far as like a like a rah rah guy, like a like they don't have that guy. Like it's not it, it, it's not Yoshida. It's no. it's not it's Casas is not in a position to be that. It's fucking not it's not Reese McGuire, Connor Wong. You can't expect a pitcher to be that guy. No. No. And that's where I wonder, do you flip some of that youth you have and try to find someone who can come in and be that voice? But even still, like you look at Justin Turner, this is a guy who's been regarded as one of the better leaders in all of baseball. A guy with all the talent on that Dodgers team. They turned to him, even though he wasn't. He was very good. Mookie Betts turned to him like that's who they look to in that clubhouse. There's not many of those guys. If not, maybe there isn't another guy in the game that kind of fits that profile. And JT did the interview in the Globe the last couple of days saying, hey, I love Boston. My light, my wife loves Boston. I would love to be here. But we know he's going to opt out because it just makes too much financial sense. It's just going to come down to whether are the Red Sox going to give him a two-year deal when another team pushing for a World Series is willing to do the same. Yeah, he's gone. I don't I don't feel confident at all in him coming back. That's not like a, that's not like a inside thing. Like I just to your point. <clears throat> um, if it's going to take two years of the Red Sox and, and I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean, maybe this is the wrong word. Are the Red Sox going to clog up that spot for two years with a dude that's going to be 40? And then you're you know, you're going to try to justify it saying we are going to give Devers a breather and Casas a breather. Yoshida, okay. like you, you have a bunch of DH types. Like Turner already is falling apart now. <laughs> Foot's destroyed. Yeah, like I mean, it hasn't. I haven't noticed it. You know, like it was kind of like uh, Ortiz in his final season. They kept saying like, "Oh man, his feet, <laughs> guy's feet, can barely walk," and then he hits fucking forty home runs, drives in one hundred thirty runs and fifty doubles and. It's crazy. It's got like an OPS over a thousand. Like I'm not noticing the the pain that Justin Turner is in, at least from an offensive standpoint. But according to Kitillo, it's very obvious after the game. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I there is a name I kind of like that I don't think a lot of people were talking about. Who? Reese Hoskins coming off that surgery, putting him at Fenway Park. Where is he gonna where is he gonna play? DH. I think you'd hope to get some of that right-handed pop. I think a guy whose swing could play really well at Fenway. Now, that's very bloomy, I would say, a guy coming off surgery. But, you know, you kind of go through Reese Hoskins' years. He doesn't offer you the same thing that Turner did with the plate approach, right? Like, you're not getting that guy who can kind of step in there and work counts. 
But 2022, it was a 123 OPS plus, 129 the season before, 138 the year before that. But that was a COVID season. Mm. If you're talking a swing that fits Fenway Park and he could spare, hopefully, Casas a little bit at first base here and there to give him a breather. But then you need someone to give Devers a breather as well. I mean, they've got bench types that could do that. Try to fit someone into that. Yeah. If Arias is still here. I mean, it sounded to me like uh, is 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 he a free agent at the end of the year? Uh, no, he's a non-tender candidate, though. So, like, uh-huh. he, they got to choose whether they're going to offer him a contract. Got it. Yeah, Lou seemed on the broadcast today. Like, Lou seemed pretty. Uh, he was talking like second base was up for grabs next year. It feels that way, and I think it's fair. I think Arias bat was better when he got here. The defense was a little underwhelming, in my opinion, at second mm-hmm. base. I expected a little bit more in that department. But Cora said, like, we thought his bats were getting better and better as he went along here. Uh, we like the player, but yeah, no one went and took the job. And I don't think you can go into next year and say, I'm fully confident giving it to Pablo Reyes either. You at least need to bring in a competition for him. Mm. Well, if you, if you had to trade one, Duran or Raphael, who you pick? Ooh. I think the answer is, I mean, tell me what the returns are. Yeah. What, what are you going to get more from? Yeah. I'd assume in today's game, I think you get more for Duran. Really? Proven major leaguer. At least that he can play at the level. I don't know. But people may look at Raphael's floor and say, listen, Duran could fall back into those ups and downs. We saw it even in his most successful year. We know Raphael could win a cold glove no matter what. Yeah, I think like I think that Rafaela has more value in a trade because he has more controllable years. Uh, and I think the the defense is what it is. People are like, yep, sign me up for that. And then you have the ceiling. Like, uh, their offensive ceilings are kind of similar to me. Yeah, I, I think you're talking more likely than not a slightly above league average bat. Yeah. Best case. Yeah, I think so. That's why I think Rafaela probably has more value. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I think it's also what a team, like you said, yeah. is looking for. Well, yeah, what are you willing to give up? We'll see. But things are heating up in the ballpark. Every team is playing to finish the season strong, to make it to the playoffs. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a moment of baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus, all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings same same game parlays. String together multiple bets from a single game for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code Jared. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gambling help line ma.org in new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny in kansas call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of boot hill casino and resort 21 plus in most eligible states but age varies by jurisdiction eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources bonus bets expire seven days after insurance 
opt-in and 10 plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Um, is this the part where we dive into some hardcore Craig Breslow talk? Yes. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Come on. People are dying for the Craig Breslow talk. Who cares? I Oh, I think it's a big deal, personally. Why? Sorry. Who cares? Tell me why I should care about this. Have you seen what the Cubs have been able to do with their pitching development in recent years? And you where think the that's Red all because of Craig Breslow? A lot of them give a lot of credit. He was a Theo Epstein hire going back in 2019. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking all this Theo talk, right? Mm-hmm. Everything we've kind of fallen in love with. For people who don't know what Craig Breslow has been doing since November 2020 there, uh, you know, he's had a couple position changes before that. He's an assistant GM slash vice president of pitching. So he's really kind of leading them and branching them with analytics. And I think you look at the Cubs rotation this year, right? Justin Steele having one of the most craziest jumps, Mm -hmm. turning into one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, especially the National League. Jordan Wicks, what he's been able to do since coming up. You look in the minors with Cade Horton and Ben Brown, um, Javier Assad, like, there, there's a lot going on there that they've been able to do right. And the Cubs, like you saw their fan base when they started, you know, this stuff came out from Gammon saying he was going to come and lead the Red Sox pitching development. They were pissed. They look at that guy as someone who has really helped with the organization. And I think if someone like Theo was pointing at that guy and saying, we want him in here, that's a good sign. You're bringing in someone in a, in a area for this franchise that has struggled. Now, while I'll say it's gotten better, we've seen some pitchers improve. Did we not just sit on this podcast last week, or at least I was, and I was shitting all over Dave Bush, talking about a guy like Ryan Brazier Mm -hmm. that you somehow could not fix, and the Dodgers fixed him in a week? Took you years of kind of twitching and doing different shit. We have pitchers on the staff that feel like they've become a little bit stagnant, or they haven't developed in ways you've hoped, a la Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock. I think there's value in this, and you're strengthening something, even if you can acknowledge, you know, Oh, Brian Bayo took steps and Josh Winkowski, Cutter Crawford. It still needs work. You still need to improve in that sense. This feels to me like, oh, you're going to get a guy has pedigree here. He still lives in Newton that can improve your infrastructure. I like that kind of stuff. I think that's the kind of moves that, you know, they're not going to make a difference probably on opening day. But having a voice like that in the organization, someone who can kind of restructure things, it shows they're trying to improve. I want that's the kind of shit I'm looking for here. I don't disagree. Like I, um, like to me, I think any any time that you can get a little piece of Theo Epstein's brain and implement it into your organization, like I'm going to be interested in that. But I don't know. I just can't. I can't just sit there and get all excited about one dude that that is like behind the scenes. Like what? Uh, I guess what one dude behind the scenes has has made an impact like that, where you just snap your fingers and then the organization just changes. Well, and I do think this is interesting. Think about how we used to talk about Brian Bannister, right, and some of the stuff that was going on when he was here. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's no surprise that he got hired by the White Sox. All this stuff comes out, and within 24 hours, you hear the Red Sox are getting Craig Breslow, or they're gonna at least try. There's rumblings about it. The Cubs beat side said no, they haven't heard anything on that. He has a contract through the end of this year. When you look at Craig Breslow's local ties as well, you start to kind of piece it. It doesn't thought, have to be I a thought, promotion. I thought Banny was in San Francisco. Yeah, he just left. He just went to the White Sox. When? Legit within the last 48 hours. Oh. 
Um, super like brand new news. Um, so they're taking them in. Let me make sure. I don't want to be tripping here when I say this. Um, but here we go. Here we go. Yeah, he's going to be a senior advisor to pitching over there. So like these are the things here. And we knew, you know, how the organization felt when he left. I think you're just bringing in a mind here. And, you know, Craig Breslow, for what it is, the dude went to Yale. He was called like the smartest guy in baseball when he was a player. And I'm not saying that should get you anywhere, but the guy knows his shit. You know, there's true pitching knowledge there. I was reading something that way back in the day when he was with the Red Sox, and this is like 06, 07 era. He did a science project for Josh Beckett and Doug Marabelli, and they were betting on how many times a baseball spins when you threw it. Craig Breslow built out a whole fucking equation and was able to get the answer. And it won Beckett the bet against Marabelli or something like that. Um, so, you know, weird little story. But I'm Yale just saying, guy. Yale guy, the Cubs, you see their fans upset. You see what their pitching pipeline has been able to produce and why it's a major reason they are where they are today. In an area where the Red Sox need help, I like those kind of hires. And I think if you're someone who, this should be a hire that makes everyone happy. For the old school people that are like, oh, you know, we need more former players. There you fucking go. Here's a guy who won in the city. Actually has two World Series rings in the city. Um, but for the nerd side that likes analytics and all that other shit, he's super deep into it. So you're getting the best of both worlds and someone who can maybe be that bridge that the organization has maybe lacked at certain points and a former teammate of Alex Cora. Yeah, it's true. Where I would sit here, though, and I'd say, damn, that's a pretty big hire and you don't have someone who's leading your front office yet. I'm surprised that there hasn't been more of that. Uh, news coming on that? No, no, no. Like uh, like former teammates of Alex Cora in the Red Sox organization. Like, Could like this be that? Aaron Boone was just like, hey, I know we were <laughs> teammates in Cincinnati. Come be the hitting coach of the Yankees. And Case is like, yep. Like where like I, I don't know. I would I'd like some former teammates of Alex Core over here. I think maybe or that's Ramon something Vasquez. To look at. People don't give Ramon. I think Ramon Vasquez and Alex Core, I believe, were traded for each other. Is that true? I, I did not know that. I think so. Now that you mention it, it does sound familiar. Um here, yeah. They were traded for each other in July 2005. <laughs> uh uh. Core and Vasquez exchanged homes for the rest of the 05 season. Yeah, see? <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, like, hey, but yeah, I, my house. I'm not telling anyone to throw a parade here or go nuts over Craig Breslow, but I like this kind of hire and it hasn't even happened yet. Who knows? As much as we've talked about gammons and sometimes there's gammons things that come out, I'm not saying, oh, this is definitely going to happen, but just showing an initiative to bring these, kind of, these kinds of minds in and someone with Red Sox pedigree as well who gets this market it can't hurt you. Mm. And it tells you they see something wrong with their pitching. They look at it and say, this is not working. So I don't know. I, I think that's a nice little acknowledgement as well that we need to be better in this area. Ramon Vasquez had by far his worst stint with any team uh, with Boston. <laughs> <laughs> what do you hit? 27 games. He had a buck 97 with a 464 OPS. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Jesus. He missed being a part of history by a few months. That's that's the tough part. Wow. Playing for the Red Sox in 2005. That is tough. Or 2003 and just missing it. Do you have Craig Breslow hate, Jared? No. 
I don't know. I saw some people that were like, I think back to 2013. I'm like, Craig Breslow is one of the unsung heroes of 2013. Uh, you know, 181 ERA in 59 innings that year. Was big in the playoffs before the World Series. I do remember the World Series. I'm not going to forget that. But important part of that team in middle relief. I got nothing against Craig Breslow. The Yale guy. Yale. The Yale. There was a Sam Fold connection in there, by the way, which I did think was a little interesting as we talk, uh, you know, just who could be the guy and Sam Fold. I think Will Middlebrooks called him his dark horse, and I like Sam Fold a lot personally. Um, I liked him a lot during the managerial conversation for Cora. If it was anyone but Cora, I probably would have picked Sam Fold as my guy. To be the next general manager? No, to be the manager manager. of the Red Sox. And he's never made it to a big league dugout, right? No. Like, he was in the mix back in 2017, and then it ended up being Cora, and then no one else hired him. He just went directly to the front office. Yeah, and now he's the right-hand man to Dave Dombrowski. <laughs> right. Pretty Which fucking good way to go. because Dombrowski could have hired him to be his manager. Apparently, people, and similar to Breslow in a lot of ways, it was always the mind and kind of his ability to branch analytics to players that like spoke, that went beyond. And it's always those kind of guys who turned something, you know, they didn't have the talent of the dude throwing 99 or Giancarlo Stan hitting bombs. They just made do. Very limited players, but had pretty solid careers. Sam Fold, remember the fucking catches that dude was making in the outfield for years? Like, he just found a way to stick, just like Craig Breslow did. I want to pull up this little Sam Fold connection here. It is like the worst connection, but it is a connection nonetheless. Sam Fold to who? Uh, Craig Breslow. Okay. Um, And I'm not saying this is a reason you should believe Sam Fold's coming here before anyone uh, wants to ride with that. It was from their collegiate careers. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay. In 2002, Breslow was named a Jewish Sports Review College Baseball First Team All-American, along with future major leaguers Sam Fold and Adam Greenberg. Adam Greenberg, that's a throwback. Um, but I don't know. That's a little connection. Because they were the Jewish Baseball Players of the Year? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that's my Craig Breslow Sam Fold That's connection. the connection. Yes. <laughs> I told you not to take it as anything more than that. Do you think they even like spoke that day? Uh, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I just, that's the connection, huh? I know a lot of people are probably freaking out in their cars right now. They're they're like, oh, nuts. my God. They were the 2002 Jewish baseball players of the year. <laughs> the stars uh, are aligning. But I don't know. I, I just I look at this and this is a good hire to me. One that makes sense. And anytime you're bringing an old Red Sox back, I'm cool with it. Yeah. All right. No, unimpressed, unimpressed. Jared Caravas. I mean, it just doesn't move the needle. Like even if even if they they did hire him, it doesn't move the needle for me. It's it's like all right, cool. Let's see how that plays out. Like it's not like yeah, fuck yeah, we got him. And I think at the same time, all right, yeah, let's see what he can do. Yeah, infrastructure stuff. Like it takes years sometimes to see what that is or the pipeline do its thing, just like drafting. So we're not throwing a parade here. Um, I will say in terms of needle moving, right? We did get one piece of news for them, you know, the front office and where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Uh, they took a whole fucking week just to move BOH over to this new role that they made up and they haven't even conducted, which I don't believe, by the way. I don't believe that they haven't started to conduct their search. 
Okay, where it doesn't make sense is if you were talking to David Stearns, there's clearly something going on. I'm assuming in terms of the interviewing process, it was more geared towards that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're bringing people in here. Like, you're, you're going to start getting the, oh, this guy, this guy. Oh, we're calling girl. this team. Huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, girl. Yes. Excuse me. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, Making these calls and specifically saying like, oh, can we interview this person? Can we interview them? Do that one way or the other. That's a big part of it. Like mm. we heard about Mike Hazen. Oh, we haven't got a call yet. Well, maybe the Red Sox called Mike Hazen and said, hey, what do you t- what do you think? Uh, you know, would you care? Would you be into it? All right. Well, we're going to we'll get this really going in a couple weeks, but keep it in your mind. Also, now, you might have an extension before then, but <laughs> you have to consider that some of these executives that have been rumored to be connected to the Boston Red Sox for this position, they're at the helm of teams that are trying to get into the postseason right now. Like they're not thinking of next year yet. They're trying to get into the playoffs right now. The D-backs, the Marlins. Those are teams that uh, they're a little distracted at the moment. So. so what? Uh, and, and yeah. And then Sam Fold with the Phillies. Yeah, it's another one. So it's like getting those interview situations. And this is where you get a little nervous, right? Like if you really want to start on the right foot for this offseason, you hope to have as many ducks in a row as possible by like you know, definitely by the uh, GM meetings, but like, you know, before then, like would be even better just to kind of get a feel and get an update of where you're going. But it seems like they're trying to get everyone in a line. And it did catch me a little bit for them to say, like a lot of people in the front office were pretty surprised by Bloom's firing. They weren't expecting it. And I think that lines up with Catillo's reporting that Bloom was not acting like a guy whose job was on the line or that he thought his job was on the line right after the deadline and kind of following through. So I think the whole front office kind of sits there and says, wow, like, you know, classic John Henry and Red Sox ownership knee jerk. It seems like for whatever reason, the switch flip for them and they are ready to do it. Here we are. And now we kind of got to just get this whole thing in a line so that we can make these hires and do what we need to do. So you're telling me that they don't listen to the podcast. Why? Why would you say that? I mean, we spent three weeks being like. No one is willing to commit to Heim Bloom, or that he uh, people are saying no, he's not going to make it out of November. Yeah, I, I think it was more like you know the voices were going, but I think a lot of people based on just the way you act, you operate differently, right? When you know something's on the line or something's going one way or the other, I don't know. It, it was very interesting for me to see that. Uh, that was probably what stuck out to me in that article more than anything. But the word timing was used. So did they think it was going to happen at the end of the year? That was the expectation. And then it just happened in September. And they were like, oh, fuck. This happened a couple weeks before we thought it was going to happen. <sighs> Jake, I think it's a mixture uh, of both. Do you have anyone that you've been looking at uh, for as a candidate for the next general manager of the Boston Red Sox? Is there anyone that you would put your endorsement behind? I mean, I'm still kind of holding out hope that Cora... Uh, can like eventually become some part of that role. I don't know if it's going to be immediately this off season, but I think eventually having him in there at the helm is like, I don't know. I just, I love that scenario. I think that's a, a good scenario for the Red Sox. So has it been confirmed right now that Eddie Romero is basically running the Red Sox? Like that's, is that out there? No, but oh. if you'd like to say that, that's very interesting. <laughs> I thought I saw that. <laughs> I thought I saw that somewhere. Uh, that athletic article mentioned that 
Eddie Romero and Raquel have long-term contracts for their assistant GM positions. Mm. I could. I was someone who raised the question as well, saying, "Well, does this mean they're not going to be up even for an interview, one way or the other?" Mm. Um, but I don't know. I, I all I've read is that it's Boh and them together working as a unit. Got it. All right. So don't quote me on that. Do you think Boh was demoted? How do you see that position? I think that he was. I think he was moved aside. I don't think that he because what's the point? What's the point of like stripping him as the general manager if that's not a demotion? And that's how I took it. I know they're framing it the other way, but it's certainly not a promotion. No, you're taking away the second, you know, voice, right? There's the first voice. That's Heim. You were the second voice. Well, no, now they're going to hire someone to be the first voice. And the second voice, you know, if they hire two people. Well, so what, what does that what, make you? Why would it have taken it a week to accept a promotion? Because I'm exactly. And I think Brian O'Halloran, no disrespect to him, was probably checking his options. He's been here since 2002. I think they also probably look at it and say, well, yeah, we don't want BOH probably in the GM role. We, we're looking for fresh voices, but he's someone who can help with the transition in the background work. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe for someone who's inexperienced, if they were to step into the spot, mm-hmm. he could be someone to kind of guide you or at least give you the you know what the basic the foundation of what you need to do the red sox were trying to frame that as as a promotion it felt that way how just in terms of how they were phrasing it we've offered him another position like it was Imagine clearly, they a press conference it, yeah it, it just came off like oh no we're we, we've just offered boh something else we're, we're going and we're going to put him somewhere else in this it, it felt like they were trying to frame it in a positive light or at least not in a negative light it's a negative. It, they are moving you down. Mm. And I think that's why he took some time to make it. Because if someone offers you a promotion, are you going to sit there and say, I don't know. No, you're going to fucking take it. Mm. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Well, he's staying. I think BOH is a fine background guy. Yeah. That's no problem. I want BOH here. I want him here. But. Like I said, we need a nerd with rabies. That's what we need. It's a good quote. It's what we need. We need an aggressive nerd. I need the brain of a nerd, but I need the balls of a raccoon that should be out right now. Yeah. Yeah. I need that thing hanging low. I'm curious. I don't know. I We still have not heard any traction on a legit candidate. If anything, it's just been guys getting... You know, saying it's not going to happen. What if you think? What if you think that it's kind of because they already know who the man or woman is going to be? They have to have someone circled. Like no matter what, when you have a search or something, usually you have a guy you like or you're kind of at least thinking about, or a woman. And I don't know. I think that's where this gets hard. If we're talking Kimang, like you're going to have to wait until the Marlins get eliminated, or are you doing the background channel conversations and Mm -hmm. we'll pick this up when the time comes. You're acting real weird over there, Jared. For people who aren't watching, <laughs> acted real weird. You know something, don't you? I'm hey, I've I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're just saying. In situations like these, uh I would say it's not uncommon that conversations could have taken place that other people don't know about. David Stearns was called. That's what I'm exactly like. 
That's the perfect example. David Stearns. You're telling me they didn't call Mike Hazen? They probably they probably have him in a group text right now. <laughs> With BOH, BOH. Yo, all those years we've worked together. Eddie, Raquel, we've worked all these years. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder who's in the Kim Ang group chat. Mm. Definitely. You think John Henry's in the group chat? Maybe. Emoji I mean, John, Hen- John Henry has Marlon's ties. It's a good point. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That would be a that'd be a very fun hire. What do you think John Henry's favorite emoji is? Eggplant. Yeah, I can see him as an eggplant guy. Yeah, definitely an eggplant guy. What's the uh, the uwu? You know what I'm talking, Jake? Do you know what that is? Oh, Jared's a little the like the like the puppy the puppy eyes. Like you, you ever see that one? Like where the eyes are like watery. Why is that called a uwu? That's like the the gamer girl like uh, whole thing. It's like, oh, look at me. I'm small. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. Jake, Jake, you know what I'm talking about. J-Dog. I mean, I know the emoji, but I've never heard it referred to as that. All right, cut that out. I don't know if I should have said that. (laughs) I don't know if I should have said that. (laughs) I could just picture John Henry as being a very like. Very uh, incensed with his feelings. Do you think so? Yeah, like emotional. Do you think he do you think he would be a better haiku writer than you? Fuck no. No one is. Nobody is. Nobody could. Oh, hey. What? I need to apologize. For what? You you messed up the syllables again? Yeah, Friday. I, I had had a couple drinks. Oh, yeah, so I, you're I, drunk haikuing. <laughs> I was not drunk. Well, I had had a couple drinks. It was a fun Friday night. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> after, you know, I had finished work. I had baseball hour or whatever. Uh, I was out with a couple people. And uh, I don't know, dude, I thought I was spitting, bro. I was like, this is going to be an all timer. And I guess I just choked. I don't. I don't know what happened. You choked. Yeah. Like I wrote white socks, question mark, no red. <laughs> I think in, when I had wrote it the first time, because I accidentally deleted it, it was white socks, one question mark, no red. But I don't know. I fucked up. I can own it. I'm a big dog. We know. <clears throat> what the fuck have you written? A book. Don't mention your book. I don't <laughs> want to hear about the book. We're talking poetry. Spit I've, written, I've written. I've written poems about what? Uh, I don't know. Just like whatever I feel like in my heart. You ever wrote a love poem for a girl? Yeah. Yeah. You got it on you. <laughs> uh, maybe. It sounds like you do this often. Is this how you score? No, this was. Your past? Um, I don't know why I still had it. So maybe it was like saved in like Facebook messages or something like that. But I want to say it was 2019 that Kevin read it on Barstool Radio. But I oh. wrote. But I wrote it in 2008. What year is your? Is that high school for you? Freshman in college freshman in college but it was like it was for it was for like a creative writing class oh so it wasn't even for a girl no it was it was about a girl it was very based in reality but it was also for an assignment did you ever back in the day uh make like a mixtape like for a girl oh like put songs on a cd for her no yeah like no so listen i'm from a different era Uh uh-huh 
an era of love. Now, I was past the whole, you know, CD era, burning it, doing it like that. Uh-huh. I made a YouTube playlist. That's right? terrible. And no, no, it was fire, bro. It was fire. No. I remember at the time. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say her full name. Okay. Shout out Stephanie. Uh-huh. Um, Steph. I, I was girl. in middle school at the time. Yeah. And I started the song now? off. She married now? She might be dead. I'm not even trying to be foul. I'm not. I'm not. That'd be, be a, that'd be a huge plot twist here. I didn't kill her before people start trying to pull <laughs> that narrative as well. No, I, I yeah, did not. See, kill my this girl. mind didn't even go there, but the fact that you feel the need to exonerate yourself makes me think that you had something to do with it. <laughs> I didn't no. kill her. I just. I just want to make that clear. Okay. Uh, but I started the song, the playlist, so I didn't give her any warning. It was a surprise. It was part of her birthday gift. Um. <laughs> And the first song was uh, My Girl by Mindless Behavior. Do you know that song? No. My girl, my girl, she loves me, loves me. Jake, you remember that song from our childhood? No. Okay. You guys are losers. Tyga was featured on the track. Sierra, it was a banger. So I sent the playlist to her. I go, listen to that first song. She texts me back. She was like, what does this have to do with me? It was titled My Girl. And it was all about her being my girl. And she questioned, what does that have to do with me? Wait, were you dating her or you wanted her to No, we were girl? together. Oh, you were together? Like for maybe a week. All right. So my guess is that she never thought that you guys were together and that you're a pathetic loser <laughs> who thinks that you are. You thought I made it up? I'm that delusional? No, no, no. I think that like you just misread the situation so poorly. Well, no. I, this was a very expensive relationship. Okay. So she was very- a prostitute? No. No. Wow. Oh. I was on a cruise when we connected. Uh, we went to middle school together, but we were texting uh-huh. on the cruise. Got it. Now, this was while I was in like U.S. territory. I was in Florida. Mm-hmm. When I crossed the line to go to the Bahamas, that's when I didn't have that international plan. Because you no. were like, I'm going to kill her in international waters. So it's not technically a crime that I could be prosecuted for. I was sitting on the upper deck in a chair and I was like, it's time for me to get in the game. It's time for me to be in a relationship here. Okay. Um, and I was talking to her and I, I was texting her. You know, we end up saying, oh, you know, sixth grade love. Mm-hmm. Do you want a date? Yeah, I love you. I love you, too. We're cooking. But she was like, I need to talk to you. Like, I want to keep talking all the time. Well, when you hit international waters, uh-huh. I could not text anymore. Right. But I didn't give a fuck. So oh. I started making international phone calls <laughs> so that I could talk to her. And so- I ran up my phone bill, $400 on my parents. <laughs> Wait a second. Does the text messaging not work when it's international or you just it, didn't want to pay for it? I didn't want to pay for it. It okay, was like so extremely you thought expensive. that calling was going to be cheaper than texting. That's what you're saying? I don't know. I, I, I was trying to find a way around you it. That, you thought the international minutes were cheaper than international texts? Is that what you're telling me? P- potentially. I was 12. Okay. And, well, then I started renting time on the computers on the cruise, which was also another charge so, so that I can message her on you Facebook. You were thirsty as hell. Of course. You're Who like, is I'm going to run up my my parents' phone bill for for some international girlfriend of mine. Ma, pa, I'm trying to get some puss. Like, <laughs> it, like it was. <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna pay them back? Are you gonna write them a check for four hundred dollars? Be like, hey, sorry no. about that time that I was an idiot. No, and I, I would. Hope. I was dating a girl that wanted nothing to do with me. She she was into me for that three week period. Oh, now um, it's three weeks. I thought you said it was one week. Oh no no! I mean, this is the full length of the relationship. Okay, so it lasted three weeks. Where, uh, if you met her on a cruise, how? Where was she from? 
No, we went to middle school, but we were texting. Oh. Like I got her number while I was on the cruise. Like one oh, of my boys texted oh, it to oh, me. Oh, 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 he had God. just finished dating her, so I was trying to. Oh, you know, so she's pick a up. homie hopper. Someone would have called her that. Yeah. Oh, got it. All right, but listen, this is twelve. Like, Wait, you're, I, you're, I, can we go back? Can we go back for yep. a second? Is she dead? No, I think she's alive. All right, can you? I ran that? into her. Can you get her number so you can call her? No, we are not. I'd like to get her side of the story. All I'm saying is, a couple years ago, or probably five, six years ago now, mm-hmm. I was leaving for the Cape. Uh, I was on the east side in Brockton at a mechanic shop. My uh, mom was getting her car worked on, and I was sitting there in the passenger seat. She fucking walks up to me. She was just hanging out at the gas station for what? I don't know. She's like, "Hey, how are you?" And I was like, "I didn't go to high school with her. Like it'd been years." And I pretended like I didn't know her. Oh, you big timed her. I big timed her. Crazy, bro. You're and then she messaged like, me on Facebook like, "I know, I know you knew who I was." And I was like, "Oh no, I don't. That's not me. I'm not Tyler." Uh, and it was it was. Why very would you do this? Why would you do that? Was, she broke my heart. I I mean I guess. You don't know love. I don't. There's probably people crying right now listening to the story. Probably, yeah. People are probably like, oh my god, I wish. Do they you were. remember your first girlfriend? Uh, yeah, yeah. How old were you? I was in first grade. First? Yeah. I never had wow. the girls had cooties. Period. I, like I had bitches putting uh, love notes in my backpack when I was in kindergarten, and I was just like, please. Well, that's please. The, trick. I'm talking. There's a level to it, right? Like I, I had girls in first grade. Uh, <laughs> shout out, Na- girls. Shout out, Natalie. Girls. Natalie knows what's good. Yeah. Um, I, I made that first birthday party. The only other one invited to that birthday party. Uh huh. Um, I was out there. I was dogging it. Yeah. But this was like my first, you know, middle school. Like, oh, okay. What's good, girl? What's yeah. good, baby girl? I mean, I had my first like, I told you, I had my first kiss when I was in fifth grade. So I don't know. My first girlfriend, me and my me and my me and my boy were dating her at the same time. We didn't care. <laughs> you're 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 clowning on me, homie hopper over here. You're fucking fucking piping together. Yeah, we were uh like it was double at, penetration at my at at the time one of my best friends, and we just like had an agreement that we're like, all right, yeah, we're both dating her. <laughs> she was she was like into this she was like this works for me. Yeah, and I was like this works for me too. Like I don't I got baseball practice like. <laughs> Like, I can't be hanging out with you all the time. So, like, go hang out with him. So, was it like when you were with her, she was yours? And yeah. then when he was with her? Okay. So, you guys weren't like <laughs> making out together. No. No, we never hung out at the same time. But it was just like, I was like, I'm fucking busy. So, when I'm, when I'm socking homers down at the, at the yard, like, you can go hang out with him. So was she like at the games and like this guy has her arm around her and then like <laughs> watching me? You're, you're on the field. You're like, what's up? Like, yeah. How you doing, girl? Yeah, like I just like crack a homer and like point to them on, in the in the stands. I'm like, yeah, what's up, girl? <laughs> They're mine. Oh, yeah. I can respect that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the first time I had a girlfriend that was just mine specifically. <laughs> Good for was you. It's like fifth grade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've never I've yet to share. I've we've taken. Oh, turns. you gotta try it. You gotta try it. Oh, there, there. You like it? You're, you're into. Oh, that I mean, kind of it's thing? just like you know, your life is easier. You don't have to give them as much attention. It's cheaper. You know, like they'll take them out on dates. <laughs> your, your buddy that's also her boyfriend. You know, how does the holiday situation work? Do you guys go know. together? I don't know if we made it to the holidays. Might have been too Yikes. quick. And Ellen approved of this. I think Ellen liked that girl a lot. Yeah. 
<laughs> is she dead? I don't know that. I, I don't even know. When is the last time? That, am I friends with her on Facebook? Maybe. She's definitely Jake. married now. Jake, do you remember your first love? Yeah, it was fourth grade. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Yeah. And how long did it last? It was in the weeks category. See, th- that's what I'm talking. Everyone has that kind of situation. But like, can you imagine like 12 year old Tyler Milliken like spitting game? I had an Everglade, like that little slide phone at the time. Dog, I thought I was dog. in, bro. Because like at that age, you're like in that mindset, like dog, all I need is a girlfriend and it all makes sense. And for like 24 hours, it did. And then you realize like you got to it's like a plant. You got to water. Her, you got to care for her. You got to love her or it'll die. You know, a woman leaves when you don't cherish her. Am I still? I can't find this girl nowhere. Sounding pretty dead to me. Well, like maybe she's probably married, and I don't. I have no idea. Like I hate when girls to the other guy. No, no, no. He's he's not in a good place. Oh, (laughs) he is. his life took a left. Um, it happens. For me, uh, like when girls that you were friends with growing up get married and they don't keep their maiden name and their social handles, and then you get like an Instagram request from like so and so, I'm like, who the fuck is this? I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, girl? Like, I didn't know you got married seven years ago and have a completely different name. I don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah, that, that that's too much to follow. There's a yeah. couple of girls on my Facebook like that as well. And I, I honestly, I kind of forget who you are when that happens. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I don't know that person. That's I don't not- know this version of you. No. No, I have no. Mm-mm. Maybe that's what happened with Stephanie. Maybe her Facebook name just got changed. And I don't. I don't well, remember. I think people are going to come away from this thinking that you killed her on the, on the cruise. Stephanie, if you're out there, if you hear this, God, I, this is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry for the things I've said. I, I meant all of them, but I meant know, all of them. You were a crucial piece of my development. Right. That was a big stepping stone for you in life. She was like my first like uh, hug, like, you know, in middle school when you oh. get girls to give you hugs in the hallway. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was the fucking game, bro. I'm not going to give you, up trying to find this girl. That's the attitude. Well, now Never I'm just give curious. Up. I'm trying. When was? Do you remember the last time you she crossed your mind, like in terms of like life? God, no. Like <coughs> high school. Oh God, she's well. She's gone. She she's might have removed you. Nah, I was probably the best thing that ever happened to her. When you guys broke up, did you and your friend break up with her together? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we handled that. I just know that we we dated her at the same time, and it was like a it was a it was a pretty good understanding. Yeah, my boy Puff was, I'm pretty sure, the Puff. one who dated her before Shout out I Puff. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was laying pipe and then just <laughs> sent the pipe over to me. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Craig Breslow. Craig Breslow, man. <laughs> if the Red Sox get Craig Breslow, that is going to be a game changer. New season. Yeah. 2024, new era. Mm-hmm. Red Sox might have the best pitching prospects in all of baseball. Yeah, they have the best beer in all baseball. It's called Blue Moon. Hmm. Even under the bright lights of the playoffs, Blue Moon. Oh, wait, no, fucking no, 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 no. What? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, you're all confused now that we brought up this girl. No, 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 because I do. I do the read on baseball is dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pass it to Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake, you got this. 
Even under the bright lights of the playoffs, Blue Moon Belgian White Belgian-style wheat ale is the beer that's made brighter. Blue Moon was born in a ballpark for baseball fans, first brewed at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. From its bold, refreshing flavor to its beautiful, bright color, Blue Moon is as iconic as America's pastime. I'm having a few Blue Moons here tonight while I'm editing like I usually do, and I think I'm going to pour one out for the girl that Tyler murdered. I mean, it's not every day you can hop on and listen to the number one Red Sox podcast and hear Craig Breslow talk and also have one of the co-hosts admit to a murder. But, you know, that's what you get over here at Name Redacted. That's sort of what we do. Tyler kills people. That's kind of his thing. And I don't think he's going to stop anytime soon. So, yeah, have yourself some blue moons and pour one out for Stephanie. With its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian White Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball, so it's the perfect match for the playoffs. The crack of a beer, the pour, the first sip of that bold flavor, Blue Moon always feels like a special occasion. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color. A beer this good only comes around once in a Blue Moon, but you can enjoy it all through the playoffs. Brighten up the baseball playoffs with Blue Moon Belgian White Belgian Style Wheat Ale. It's one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for fresh baseball merch and visit get.bluemoonbeer.com jared to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash jared blue moon made brighter celebrate responsibly blue moon brewing company golden colorado ale thank you jake and i apologize that was embarrassing for you don't, don't play that shit why please why that does you know it doesn't feel good yeah no, no. all right all right we'll never hear it again never so. no. <laughs> no are we gonna talk do we have anything to say about the games no nothing dude what (laughs) who cares i I will say uh we would probably be drizzling ketchup right now if it weren't for josh winkowski who ruined the game yesterday oh don't even i knew you were gonna do this shit he did he He was cheated he was the only reason why the red sox lost that game only one person was responsible it was josh winkowski that's a fuck fenway park moment you give up the Uh, the second Oh, I'm sorry. Do the Red Sox not play in the same ballpark? Do they not also? Do the Red Sox not also have the same opportunity to hit a dinky ass home run to win the game? Oh my God, you're muted, you fucking idiot! This dude is terrible. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Boo! So bad. Every time. Thought I was done, J Dog. Nah, I pull up right back on the scene. Let me talk about Josh Winkowski right here. Actually, he wasn't walking, guys, which was refreshing. But come on, Luis Robert, 312 feet. We're going to kill him on that. Mm-hmm. Home oh. run's a home run. Can home the Red Sox offense run. do anything? Can uh, they just yeah. not be com- They've been comatose every day. Are you trying to, you trying to, you're trying to blame that loss on the Red Sox offense when Josh Winkowski gave up the game losing home oh. run? Oh, yeah, you're right. They would have won with their total oh, yeah. amount of zero runs. Oh, they would have won with their zero amount of runs. Oh, Zero zero runs wins your ball games these days. Is that what you're telling me? I mean, he could have he could have forced it to extras, and he wanted to shut it down right then and there. The Red Sox wouldn't have fucking scored a run if they played another okay. ten innings that day. All right, you know I'm right. There's no reasoning with you. What do you mean no reasoning? Because you're just like a Josh Winkowski honk. I'm not a meat rider. You are like he can all- do no wrong in your mind, and you'll just defend him blindly. All I'm saying is he's had a very good year. I'm not going to kill him uh, for that garbage home game. Gave up a home run that lost the game. Red Sox lost because he gave up that home run. That's a fact. <laughs> I hate you. Am I wrong? I, Am I wrong? Yeah, they they, they doesn't mean they would have won. They might have just probably the next sorry guy to come out would have given up the run. 
No. Well, not uh, Chris Martin back-to-back days, maybe. Chris Martin deserves love. Can we say that? He deserves a ton of love. How many consecutive scoreless uh, appearances is it for him? 20 straight scoreless appearances, one in his last 37. Wow. That's fucking... He's having one of the best relief seasons we've ever seen for a Red Sox player. Yeah. And it makes me sad that it's wasted on a year like this, but I don't know. He as dominant as he was with the Dodgers down the stretch last year, he's continued that. Like, say what you will. This isn't one year where he just took it to another level. It's really a year and two months or a season and two months, if you want to call it that. Mm. And I do think it's pretty interesting to hear Cora talk about how badly they had wanted him in previous off seasons and they just couldn't get the deal done. But I think he has Alex Cora's heart. I did not uh, see him talk about him that way. Yeah, he was like, we really wanted him in 2019. And then last offseason, we tried to, you know, going into 2022, mm-hmm. we had him circled and we just couldn't get it done. Yeah. So who knows? It, it is what it is on that front. Rollade's relief man of the year. Don't hate it. People are saying. Deserving. More than deserving. Yeah. Outside of that, we talked about Masataka Yoshida for a second earlier. Nice to see him do something with the bat. Chris Sale. It was nice to see Chris Sale. He's finishing the year on a strong note. Yeah. Right? Like five shutout innings, seven Ks. Biggest thing for me was, yeah, the velocity. He sat 94. Mm-hmm. For a guy that's who was touching. That's it. That's all you asked for Chris Sale. That's, you know, not what we saw in May, but to end the year at 94 and see what you can do with the full offseason. Sure. He's going to throw 100 innings this year. That's kind of crazy to think about. Is it? I think a lot of people, if you ask them how many innings Chris Sale threw, you'd be like, oh, this was another injury year. Like, you threw 100 innings this year. So, a step a, forward considering what the last couple of years have been. I guess, but that's also just kind of like a pathetic bar. And I think he would tell you that. Yeah. I, I, but I think that's what I think if you're hoping for more than 100 innings out of Chris Sale at this point, like, if I told you coming into this year you got 100 innings out of Chris Sale, you'd say, I'll take it. You know what I mean? That That's, you know, we didn't know if he was going to be able to pitch consistently ever again. How do you feel about Chris Sale moving into 2024? The front office should act like you're not getting anything out of him and you can't depend on it. But I think that's more likely for five fucking years. But they don't out. They don't operate like that. And that's the problem. They've continued to hope that he was going to be at the worst a number three going into this year. But if you look at the way they built the rotation, that wasn't the fucking case. It wasn't mm-hmm. the case at all. You didn't get him the support he needed or at least guys that could protect him. Part of the reason why he got hurt in the first place, they were pushing him to throw seven innings in the month of May, just saying, hey, we need you to be basically our ace. That was a big reason they started tailspinning after because they didn't have a stopper. In the previous years before that, they were saying this was our fucking trump card. Like, oh, Chris Sale's coming. He's going to change everything. When I built out the rotation, I put a post out on Twitter a couple days ago. I had him as my number four. And I thought that was a pretty, you know, fair way to look at it and say, you know, going into next season, if he's healthy, he's going to have another offseason. He's going to be still making a ton of money. You hope he can kind of profile into that. He offers you some upside and you see where it goes. But well, if, if he doesn't, if he's the four. That's because I, I'm just I'm all in on Cutter Crawford being the five. Like, that's his job to me. That's yeah. not uh, like, you know, I, I like Tanner Houck a lot. Um, but as far as like starting pitching goes, he's just solid. He's he's he is a solid number five. If he's your number five, you're in pretty good shape. Like, I'll take I, that. I think you're looking at a battle and I'd say Cutter is the lead guy. I put Pavetta right behind him because it seems like Cora has been pretty impressed with Pavetta, who also, you know, if we're talking about things from the series, right? Seven shutout innings, 
you go since his bullpen demotion now, it's a 339 ERA, 346 FIP. And Cora said those daunted words with Pavetta again. I think he's putting it all together. Cora has said that on three different occasions during the Nick Pavetta era now. When he was on pace to making the All-Star team a year ago uh, and when it clicked for a stretch in 2021, uh, especially you know when he became the postseason weapon and everything. I think you let those two guys b- battle it out, but Cutter, I think, should be the lead guy for that number five spot because he's been consistent for whatever it is. And hopefully with another year under his belt, he kind of can keep that velocity from going up and down as much as it has. The stuff will be a little bit more consistent. I think Pavetta gets traded. I think that's very fair. I don't think that's a crazy uh, point to make. I think Pavetta gets traded because if he's tendered a contract, uh, I mean, they, they can... Eight. Yeah, like they can. It's not even like it's not that money is an issue. It just gives you money that you can spend elsewhere. So instead of non-tendering him, he's a guy that you can tender a contract trade. And because I don't think like he's the thing is like it's not that I don't like I love his compete level, um, and I think that he's valuable in the sense that he can start and he can pitch out of the bullpen. But to me. He's earned the right to start. And if the rotation looks like what it should look like next year, there's going to be no spot for him. You would be throwing him into a bullpen role and saying you're one of our high leverage multi-inning guys. And he deserves to start. Like, I think that he's pitched his way back into a rotation. Maybe not this one. But if you've already filled up two spots with... If you're building it from the bottom up and you've got Cutter Crawford and then Chris Sale... And you've got to fill your top three. It, should Nick Pavetta be a, a top three starter on this team? Oh, hell no. That would mean it was okay. a disaster offseason. Right. So I think he has value. Um, I think it would free up some money. And I just don't like you're not gonna have like you're not gonna have him finish strong, do do everything that he was asked this year, and then tell him, like, all right, next year in the, you're in the bullpen now. Yeah, it's a tough role. And he's making Eight million, so he'd be basically getting Chris Martin money. Like that's the arb guess here. So, and I think with Cutter Crawford, you'd hope a young starter like that, also cheaper than Pavetta, you can kind of get some of that, you know, young pitching time, that love, that team control you're kind of looking for here. Um, And maybe you say him and Tanner go battle it out, go see what happens. I guess where you'd question it is what happens if something happens to Sale. Are you, and then you have to pull Tanner Houck from the bullpen. Do you put him in the rotation at that point? Are you finding someone? Is it Shane Drohan you're hoping, you know, next season can kind of step up and fill that role? I think that's where you walk that spot where if someone offers you a deal that makes a lot of sense with Pavetta, I'm willing to do it, but I'm not just giving him away. I still think he has a oh, lot I'm of I'm not just giving him away either. No. No, that's not like, a giveaway situation. If we're talking about the bullpen next year, right? Mm-hmm. We got Kenley and Chris. Wink is going to be part of that as well. I don't know. Do you wonder if Wink is going to have some regression? I think that's a fair conversation to be had uh, involving him. Would Pavetta be the fourth arm in order at that point in your bullpen? I think if you... uh, So here's here's where I land on Winkowski. I think if Nick Pavetta stays, then Winkowski should be better because he's thrown so many fucking innings. And you also say this is a world where you have Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck. Yeah, those guys fill the role of what Pavetta would offer you in the bullpen. Yeah, hopefully if everything goes right. Yeah, you know they should if they be have able to find roles and they stop dicking these guys around with what their roles are. Like if Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock are in the bullpen, which they should be, then that's less innings that Winkowski's going to have to pitch out of the bullpen, and then 
he should be better because of that. I think yeah. he's I think he's out of gas. Yeah, that five in the back end of the bullpen, however you want to phrase it, can go up, should go up against just about anyone. Kenley, Martin, Wink, Whitlock, Houck. That's five guys that have late inning stuff that should be able to play in those roles. Mm-hmm. And you can pick your poison if you want Whitlock to be the two or three inning guy. If you want Houck to be the two or, two or three inning guy, whatever. Yeah, Brennan Bernardino here. I'm guessing he'll be around next year based on what he's done for them this year. You're already filling up a lot of that bullpen. I love Bernardino. I, I think he's the kind of guy. He's a good lefty. Um, would I be against bringing in another lefty? No. Uh, I would look at someone maybe like Matt Moore. You'd probably uh, bring in Craig Breslow. I like Craig Breslow. Hey, if he wants to do a little bit of both, I'm not going to stop him. Hmm. Craig Breslow hater. I'm disappointed in you. I'm not a Craig Breslow hater. I'm no, just you saying. can't fucking stand the guy. Oh clearly. my god, that's not the that's not the case. God, you're not going no. to the Craig Breslow presser. No, no, I'm not. Wow. Well, I'm busy that day. Oh, sorry. What day is it? <laughs> I don't know. Who cares? Exactly. Oh, I, we forgot about John Schreiber too. Yeah. Why we're we having that? Yeah. So that that should but be. But you that said that Schreiber is rinsed. You said that. I'd never called John Schreiber. Mm washed or anything like that. Mm. Is he 2022 Schreiber? No. Sadly. That's kind of what that means. Does he throw 96 anymore? Tell me, Jared. Do you see him hitting 96 anymore? You tell me. I do not. Okay, so you're saying that he might be... I'm saying it's a 412 ERA with a 461 FIP. He's fine. So you're saying you said that he's rinsed seventh inning guy. John Schreiber is part of my bullpen any day. I agree. Dog. He is a dog. But that's now six. And right? and I think that he, he needs time to, to rest and heal too, Schreiber. That's a it's a fair point with what he needs to have a normal offseason, a normal spring training, and he'll be fine. And that's not factoring in Zach Kelly, who shout out to him activated today, mm-hmm. who I think when we all saw him got hurt in the beginning of the year. And it was a big reason why the bullpen got thin at points to such a level. He was supposed to be one of those middle relief guys they leaned on. And it looked like he was going to need Tommy John. Obviously, ended up being the nerve surgery or whatever. Credit to him for making it back before the end of the year. I do like Zach Kelly a lot. Maybe Brian Mata, who's going to be down in the AFL, can actually, you know, be in the role he's supposed to be in in the bullpen and show that he can be a weapon moving forward. <clears throat> I thought he Even was supposed the, to start. He shouldn't have been starting. Well, he got hurt. That, that's the reality. He wouldn't have been starting much longer at the rate he was going, but he's the first prospect in recent memory that the Red Sox organization has called out in the media and basically said, like, this guy wasn't working hard enough. Conditioning wasn't good enough, all that. So probably speaks a little bit, and he has to be on the Major League team next year. He has no more options after this year. It was a big year for him, and he barely made it back. This year or next year? This year. Ooh. Because mm. he had Tommy John. There were a lot of years that obviously went by over that process. The COVID year didn't help him. Uh, but that's why he's going down to the AFL. Go show us you're worth keeping around so that we bring you in for a bullpen spot and don't DFA you amongst you know the arms like we saw last offseason get DFA'd. Mm. Who uh, do we know who else is going to the Arizona Fall League? Yeah, we got the whole list. I tweeted that a couple days ago. Uh, nothing, you know, too crazy if we're talking 
you know, some people were hoping Marcel Meyer was going down or maybe they'd push Kyle Teal, but you know, it's been a long year for Kyle Teal as a whole. Let me see. Is Roman yeah. Anthony going? Nope. He will not be going, which not surprising. First full year of pro ball. He's probably gas. Uh, but the big names, Nathan Hickey's going down. Guy can absolutely swing it. I'm guessing they're going to be moving him away from catcher down there, trying to get him more reps at first base, maybe a little on the outfield, try to develop him into a Kyle Schwarber like role. Uh, Brandon Bernasi, he, he's going down there as well. Really good year from him. Middle infield prospect. You know, I think a limited ultimate role, probably more of a utility player, but had a really nice season. Outside of that, on the pitching side, besides Mata, Christopher Troy seems like a fucking great dude all over Red Sox Twitter. Um, part of that Marcel Meyer friend group that everyone always talks about. Is he uh, the, the dude that tweeted minors. you the other day? Yeah, he, he's tweeted me a few times. He, he's a yeah. really nice guy. Um, and, you know, talked about his experiences behind Bloom and all that stuff just really depicts what it's like to be a, you know, a guy going through the minor leagues and, you know, trying to be the best version of yourself every day. And very respectful, very like, you know, message me being very kind, like introducing himself to a guy like me who who gives a fuck about Tyler Milliken. I can always say that's a pretty, uh, pretty good dude. Christopher Troy. Yes, sir. Should I follow? Dude's jacked. Yes. Give him a follow. (laughs) That's Tyler Glasnow in the face. That's not his picture. What do you mean? His profile picture? That's him? That's him, yeah. No. Yes. That ain't him. Pull up pictures. No, that dude, that's a no, that's not him. He's beautiful. That's not him. Click on his Instagram. You'll see. Jesus. He's, he's built a, like a house. Dude, he's a dog. Like big body. High heat, like true leaf prospect. I believe a 12th rounder in 2021. And he roomed with uh, Marcel Meyer last year or this past year. Mm. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Soup just... he, who does he look like? He looks like the dude from fucking. Uh, what is it? 10 things I hate about you. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, dude. Look at Google 10 things I hate about you and tell me that's not fucking Christopher Troy. 10 things I hate about you. Yeah. Same guy. Which one? What What do you mean? Which one? Oh, Andrew Keegan. This guy. Yeah, they do look alike. Holy shit. Troy Uh, looks even more built. Oh, yeah. But like, I thought for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And his picture was like that actor's picture. I was like, well, that's a weird picture to have as your fucking default <laughs> picture. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's very active in like the whole little, you know, Red Sox prospect community. Like always kind of just like cheering on guys or like responding to people that like are small and he's just like, hey, thanks for showing love or highlighting this. Dude, 6'4", 225. Has to be bigger than that at this point. Yeah, he's a beast. But yeah, had a really, you know, dominant start to the year in high A, got up to double A, scuffled a little bit early, but really finished the season on a super strong note. Just got to cut down the walks. Oh, my God. Everyone's new favorite Red Sox prospect, Christopher Troy. 
That's the dude from 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> That's the only way you're going to ever remember this dude. It is. I mean, yeah. I, I'm dead serious when I thought that his Twitter picture was that actor's headshot. And I was like, oh, that's funny, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he must like, like that movie a lot. I don't know. Yeah. Besides him, you know, in terms of the names, Felix Cepeda, like, you know, similar kind of conversation from a relief standpoint. Even Wyatt Olds kind of figures into that. Zach Penrod, he's the one who came from Indie Ball. That's really been shining out. Good velocity from the left side. Uh, surprising a lot of people. I think he's 26. Uh, so a little bit of a late bloomer, but apparently opening some eyes in the Red Sox organization. So, yeah, very interesting little group. You just don't have the, you know, the Nick York like you did last year that you get super excited about. Right. Hmm. I guess if you want to be negative, like on the Marcel Meyer front, they never said he was going to play in the AFL. Seemed like there was well, some he, was hope hurt. he was going to. Probably needs a little more time. Meyer? Uh, yeah, and I think he's going to yeah, be doing... Fucking hurt. Go home. Why would you play more baseball? Well, he's going to be down at the fall instructional league thing they're doing down with the uh, in Fort Myers or whatever, too. So he's getting work down there. I don't want him playing any baseball. Protect no, him. he just fucking tweeted me. <laughs> yeah, see, like, dude, he is, like, in it. He just... He said... Uh, he said it's an honor and a pleasure because I followed him. <laughs> like, dudes are just into the whole thing. <laughs> we're gonna have to get him on the podcast it'd be fucking fun <clears throat> wow that's hilarious yeah <laughs> interesting yeah i mean i'm we're gonna have to have him on and then be like i thought that your picture was the 10 things <laughs> i hate about you dude jake Ooh. did you see this did you, did you google this yeah i was following he looks exactly like him a hundred percent let me see <laughs> it's crazy yeah, you go on his IG page, you see him hanging out. I think this was the Drake concert. Yeah, with uh, Marcel Meyer and everyone. Who else? Uh, Brendan Salucci, Chase Midroth, whole crew. So, I don't know, Philip Sykes. If we're talking about that kind of group that really gravitated and kind of came together that people were writing stories about in The Athletic a year ago, this is it. Hmm. They're actually boys. They're not just guys who play together. You know what? <clears throat> maybe maybe this winter will pursue more prospect interviews. Not to take away from Sox prospects, by the way. Congratulations on 20 years to Sox prospects. Hold on. Uh, Hurry up. Uh, yeah! 20 years. The website looks exactly the same as it did when it first launched, but I'll tell you what. Where would we be without Sox prospects? I'd be dead. I remember literally being in high school in computer class. And it's like, oh, we have time to kill. I'm on SoxProspects.com. And it looked I, like that. <laughs> it looked like that when I was in high school. Uh, but it was, uh, it was and still is a very, very, very one of the most useful tools that... Uh, you could ever hope to utilize as a Red Sox fan. I think if it weren't for Sox prospects, I back then I wouldn't know who the prospects were. Like I wouldn't how. Yeah. Like that that was the that was how you sounded smart as a Red Sox fan was by going to SoxProspects.com and um reading up. And then I would always go on Sox Prospects and use like the 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 player profile pages for like the ETAs because mm -hmm. people would always ask me. They'd be like, oh um <laughs> Like when do you think when do you think Abe Alvarez is getting called up and then you just go to Sox prospects and be like, uh, 
looks like um like midway through 2004, like around there. And you just sound, like people be like, oh, dude, this guy knows his fucking shit. Like, yeah. how does he know all this? Yeah, like all the probably like it'll tell you like, oh, like late 2027 or like early 2024. Like, yeah. You go to Sox Prospects, they'll, they'll make you sound smart. Uh, when I smart. yeah, one of my favorite and probably one of the cooler moments since I got into this whole thing, like when I had the interview with Ian Kundal on Baseball Hour a month or two ago or whatever, like I was telling him. High school Tyler Milliken, who was a fucking nerd, like I would get a little what? IRC pass. Fuck you, uh, IRC pass <laughs> to, at lunch to go to the library so I could sit there and read about you know Henry Owens and Brian Johnson and Devin Marrero and you know I can't relate to it. Jared, you probably can. Like Sons of Sam Horn, all those forums. Like yeah. I was too young for. Sox Prospects was the forum I sat on when I was like you know I didn't, 12, I didn't 13, 14. Sam Horn. They were too you weren't aggressive. into that. No, they were too aggressive. They were too like, like everyone on there knew like they were all like the fucking smartest Red Sox fan in the world. And if you disagreed (laughs) with anyone, it's like, uh, yeah, Yeah. like Chris Hatfield, man, like I still like what he does. Ian Cundell, everyone over there, those podcasts like coming out. I remember listening to the Craig Kimber one after I got fired from Jordan's like a lot of good moments, a lot of like excitement. Always still. I'm always excited when I see them in uh, my podcast app. So shout out Mm. to them. They deserve all the credit and love they get. Yeah, those guys are the best. They are the best. Um, Anything else we have to get to today? How the fuck did we do almost two hours? There's nothing. We always find a way. We we are here. That's crazy. I'm looking. I'm looking. Do I got anything else? No, I think that's everything. Jake's takes. I'm just a little concerned of the amount of people who are going to walk away from this podcast thinking Tyler murdered a girl in international waters. That's true. I mean, it's not even that they're going to think that they know that like that. That's you did that shit. Love drives uh, into many deep corners in one's heart. <laughs> what does that even mean? It's deep. <laughs> it is deep. It is deep. Oh, did you see I tagged you in Ken Rosenthal's uh, Q&A I did thing see today? That. You have a question for him or no? Hey, Ken. It's me, T Dog. Uh, so I was just wondering if maybe you heard anything about the, the GM search. You know, I heard that Brian O'Halloran, it took about a week to get him to stay in the organization. Do you think that that set the Red Sox behind the eight ball? Let me know, Ken. Should I ask, like, hey, like, do you have an update? Like, I know I talked to you last week, but you got anything new for me? Yeah, maybe. Oh, there is one little thing. I don't what? think there's much the Shohei Otani thing that came out over the last couple of days from Will. Yeah, that doesn't seem like much, if anything at all. You haven't heard anything new on that front? No. Okay. No. Good I think know. like Will Will walked it back immediately. Is that how you took it? Yeah. His tweets were like uh he's like, all right, guys, everyone calm down. It's like, <laughs> bro, you just dropped a bomb. On your podcast, it got like uh, curated on Twitter and everyone's freaking out because you made it like seem so ominous about like the Red Sox and Shohei. And then he's like, well, you know, like there's going to be like 15 teams that are that interested. It's like, well, he 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 lit a fire and then he was like, who could have done this? Why? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, I, I think it's there's a wave obviously coming where everyone's expecting the Red Sox to kind of go crazy here. And I throw this right in that like the game and stuff. There's clearly a wave of momentum of spending, big spending coming, them being in on everyone. Just expect it. I think we all know what's coming. This just kind of adds to that fire, like you said. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's kind of what we said. Last episode where, the, yeah, I think that, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think that there is legitimate smoke with the Red Sox and Shohei, but not to the point where I'm like giddy about it. No, and I think it's the smoke where if you have an ear close to the organization or anywhere near it, they're willing to push the message along right now. Like, get ready. We mean business. Just like Sam Kennedy put it in his presser. Yeah. They are pushing that message out wherever they can. Yeah. I, I think the Red Sox. Do I believe the Red Sox think that they can do it? Yes. But that doesn't mean that's going to happen. No. And you, you may make a full court press and then the daughters are like, hey, we got everything Shohei Otani wants in life. So good fucking luck to you. Yeah. And that's the end of the conversation. I'm not delusional enough to think that the Red Sox are the most desirable option. <laughs> like they they know and everyone else knows that they're going to have to be the top bidder. Because I, I don't know what kind of relationship he has with the CEO of fucking New Balance. But I, I know I'm not signing, you know, like I love Blue Moon. Shout out to Blue Moon. But if I were a baseball free agent, I, would I be like, I got to sign with the Rockies. That's where Blue Moon Rockies is. pod. Right? Like, it's like, do I need to be right there? Like, no, I can I can get Blue Moon in Boston if I want Blue Moon. I think I'd throw myself off my balcony if I had to talk about Chris Bryant on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, I like Chris Bryant, but the Rockies are just, it's tough. It's a tough situation they have going on right now. It's called poverty. They are a poverty franchise. All right. We got to take a break and talk about Zinn nicotine pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn nicotine pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve lasting change, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere anytime so you never have to miss a moment of the game plus every can of zinn earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear top of the line tech zinn swag even gift cards find your zinn at your local convenience store or online at zinn.com that's zinn z-y-n.com warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical uh do you have any final thoughts here today tyler um um I don't think so. Oh, uh, congrats to the Greenville Drive, South Atlantic League champions. Good for them. Mm. Uh, besides that, uh, not much, but it was a really cool moment kind of seeing them throw beers up. Who is it? The Undertaker that does that beer thing? Dude, don't fucking look at me like that. What? What? I can't what? believe you just said that. Is, is it right? I nailed it. Uh, 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 look at me! I have long hair that's wet. Uh, 
Hey, cage match. Me, Undertaker. Let's see who comes fucking walking out. That's not the Undertaker, dude. Oh, it's not? It's no. someone else? Who is it? The Undertaker. Kidding me? Name, who is it? Stone Cold Steve Austin. You okay, boom. Yeah. Well, I like that little celebration. They, the owners of the Greenville Drive, did it on their little monster. Mm. Now, their monster's only 30 feet. Obviously, Fenway's 37. I hope next time the Red Sox win a ring at home, they do the same celebration. Can yeah, you imagine sure someone they'll, like five years from now, they'll definitely remember the Greenville Drives celebration. And can you imagine like, everyone's like, going to get the reference too? It's <clears> just <throat> a fire celebration. Imagine Jackie yep. Bradley Jr. comes back. He's waiting and he's just throwing beers up to everyone on the monster and they're just going nuts. Why is Jackie Bradley Jr. the guy that's doing that? Got to have the arm to do it. Okay. And the pod. <laughs> who are they playing next Tampa Baltimore yeah for two Tampa? games two games against Tampa Tampa are they off tomorrow yes oh thank god good day <laughs> they're off tomorrow they got the Rays Tuesday Wednesday I mean we gotta we gotta make some pick did you you had them getting swept I think I said two <laughs> out of three so we both lost I was close yeah so was I <laughs> Uh, you could score a fucking run. Tuesday is Zach Eflin versus Tanner Houck. And ooh, Wednesday, Tyler Glasnow versus ooh. Brian Bale. Uh, I'm going race sweep. Yeah, I'll join you in the race sweep. They're <laughs> playing for shit. So nope, it's uh, it's not going to happen. Jake? I'll just go sock sweep. Sock sweep. Sock sweep. Okay. Um. <laughs> Congrats to the Yankees on being officially eliminated today. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Um, all right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday. Oh, also, if you've made it this far in the podcast for some reason, uh, I'll be at Lincoln on Tuesday night. It's um, the Like a Pro, like uh, the contest winners or finalists. It was the ones that it was basically like... Uh, everyone who like basically was a finalist that didn't win. We're just going to hang out with them at Lincoln on Tuesday night, but everyone's welcome to come if they would like. Yes, Tyler. Congrats to the city of Brockton. We are getting an indie ball team. Did you see that? No, a Campanelli. We're going to have an indie ball team from the frontier league. Sick guys. We're going to go see a game, right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, no. You enjoyed will. your time it, in Brockton? Yeah, no, it was sick. Hell yeah. Jake, you too? I'm not going to Brockton. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck you guys. It'll be a good time. Tyler Milliken meet and greet at Campanelli. So I'm counting you out on Tuesday. What's on Tuesday? <laughs> what? Oh, that's the, the like, a yeah, yeah, yeah. No, wait, were you inviting me? I'll see you on Wednesday. Buenas noches, amigos.